Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 105 of Bleeding Blue, and today we are going back to If These Walls Could Talk. We have some stories about Jesse Armstead, Tiki Barber, Ron Dane, Harry Carson, and of course, it wouldn't be a Bleeding Blue episode if we don't tell a story about Michael Strahan. So, without further ado, let's bleed. Blah, 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 That was weird. I didn't enjoy that. I thought that was good. I didn't enjoy the Yes, hello, welcome back to a podcast that we do called Bleeding Blue. It is about the New York football giants. It is about the history of the New York football giants. My name is Justin Pennock. I am coming to you from the state of New Jersey. One of my good friends and one of my best friends, his name is, his name is Snacks, Nikki Snacks. And Correct. he is coming to you also from the state of New Jersey. Snacks, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today, and it's the great state of New Jersey, the best of all mm. 50 states, not even remotely a debate, um, but I am doing fantastic. It is my lovely aunt's birthday today, so we are having a nice little um, lunch and dinner for her at the house. Um, very excited for that. Good food, good company, maybe a cocktail or five or six or ten, um, mm-hmm. but you know, do, ha- doing great, had a nice weekend, all good, all good. That's great. That's great. I need to let everybody know where my headspace is at to start this show. I will say that intro, I was pretty firing off. I was going. I was going. But I think my brain right now is on is on reserves, so it's 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 more efficient more than anything. So where my brain is at right now, last night it was my buddy Jimmy Jimmy Kroll, who actually is the co-author. If you're a longtime Bleeding Blue follower, longtime follower of mine, Jimmy Kroll is actually the co-author of the positional value study that I did last year. We're hoping to do it again. We have to refine it a little bit, but because we can't use pro football focus grades, because if we use pro football focus grades, it it delegitimizes the study, which sucks, but neither here nor there. He turned 21. So we wanted to do this whole thing where we wanted to wait till midnight to, to go out. So we went to Martell's Tiki bar. We figured there's not going to be a lot of people there because it rained. It rained on Saturday in New Jersey and especially down the Jersey shore. So we were right. There wasn't a ton of people. There wasn't a ton of people on the boardwalk. So we waited till midnight. We did it the right way. And I was the designated driver. I don't drink. Um, so it's not like I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm coming to you um, on air hungover right now, but I don't drink. I was the designated driver, but still I made decisions like I was intoxicated that Saturday night because I had I had like an amp energy. I stopped at a Wawa to get gas, but I had an amp energy at like 1030. And then I got home at around like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And I had a double a cold double cheeseburger from McDonald's that was like two days old that just didn't sit well. And it didn't sit well, you know, come this morning. So I'm I'm coming to you from a bit of a not I'm not disheveled, but just like a you know what? I would rather be in bed right now. But I'm I always love talking to you, snacks. I always love talking to you. That you get a, me out of bed in the morning. Oh that's the nicest thing anybody's <laughs> ever said to me. Really. Uh I also got told I looked like um Leonardo DiCaprio once, which I don't wow. even remotely look like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so that was uh 
that was that was a nice day back in uh, 2012. It was I think it was my freshman year of college. Uh, or you look like day. Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie where he's fighting off the wolves. Not like Leonardo DiCaprio in like Catch Me If You Can or Titanic. No, I, I Justin, I just don't look like Leonardo DiCaprio at all. <laughs> I, I've gotten Le- I, I gotten Conan O'Brien, which is a little bit more uh, more real. Um, I don't know if you've seen the show Entourage, but Eric E. Uh, I've gotten that. Um, I don't know why I'm talking about this now. It's kind of giving me, it's kind of making me a little self-conscious. So can we, uh, can we get on? And I will say one thing, your actions as a designated driver last night, if you didn't tell me, if you didn't say you didn't drink in the beginning, I would have thought you were a drunk last night. Okay. The, oh yeah. The, if I, if I just left out that part where I mentioned I didn't drink, you, you would have thought you were, home. you were drunk. Yeah. And I ate that double cheeseburger. That's why I make – that's why I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because the decisions that I make when all of my other friends are drinking are the same things that they would make while they're drinking. So I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. And, and all of it involves food. All of it involves food. Mm. Food's good. Yeah. I, um... Yeah. You don't, have to, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> Speaking of things that make you self-conscious, we're going to be starting a new weekly segment. Let me just play the music and then I'll explain. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I just want you to stay. So for the past three weeks, Snacks has had to apologize for something to start an episode. Whether it's calling John Maris C-O-C-K sucker, whether it's just cursing too much, whether it's for this reason. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like for the last three weeks, or at least incrementally, haphazardly throughout the last couple of weeks, Snacks has always been apologizing for something. Well, I got a DM this week from our good friend and good listener, David, who listens to both Talking Giants and Bleeding Blue. He said Hi, in a DM to me, why are you calling Kerry Collins a drunk? He is he was recovering from his like his days in Carolina, apparently, and yeah. Snacks. So once again. It's hard for you to say, it's hard for you to say that you're sorry, but we want our listeners to stay. So I think I'm going to challenge you. Now penance is a good thing. Penance is a very good thing and yes, recognizing our shortcomings. So. so I may join you every once in a while. I may join you every once in a while in apologizing for something. But this is all you this week. So you have the floor. Apologize yeah, to Kerry uh, Collins. Kerry, um <laughs> Kerry and David, um I would like to offer my sincere apologies. It's not um, it's not nice to say things about people that you don't know personally. I just, uh, my headspace, you could say, was that um, back in the day, I guess maybe some family members when Carrie was not playing very well would use the term, uh, <laughs> get this drunk off the fucking field. <laughs> so We're so not that very good always... at this apology thing. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. And I, I, I'm sorry that I'm not really good at this apology. It's just something that always, always stuck with me. And Justin, you know, I love Carrie Collins. I've said it on this show numerous times. I loved Carrie Collins. I loved him. Yes, you did. Um, I do. I, I always will. He'll always have a special place in my heart. He was the first quarterback that I, I knew as a Giant fan. But I should not call him a drunk when he was recovering, and I should have looked more into that backstory. It's just from back in the day, my family, as am I, are very, very, very passionate Giant fans. So um, that term and everything with Kerry Collins just always stuck. But I was very wrong in saying that, so I want to apologize to Kerry, his family, and David. Um, 
I appreciate you calling me out on that. And whatever I say in this episode, please call me out again because I'm sure there will be some very outlandish things. Thank you. Thank you. Good statement. Way to wrap it up. Way to put yes. a bow on it. Yeah, um, we'll, yeah. we'll find something next week, whether it's something that you did in your personal life or something that um, I'm sure I'll say something, something that you said worry. on the show. So I'm sure I will. But, Are uh, we talking about Tiki Barber today? Yeah, we're talking about Tiki Barber today. Okay, so I'll, I'll have a lot to, to apologize. Yep, I'll have a lot to apologize. Yeah, you'll have a lot to apologize. We're talking about Tiki Barber like tw- two different stories. Yeah, I have a great story. I, I got the, the, the wife story. Can I say that? Yeah, well, you know what? It's the 4th of July week, which I love time stamping. I love time stamping podcasts. Um, I hate it. But you know what? Laid, laid back week, we'll do it. Well, maybe Excellent. maybe we've been teasing a lot of different reasons why you're not allowed at MetLife Stadium. This is the <laughs> week that we'll do it. But you'll have to. I think let's tell it. Let's tell it after the second story. So there's there's Good one idea. story that's going to be in, involved around Ron Dane and Tiki Barber. So we'll talk about that 2000 season. Yeah, and then we'll talk about Tiki Barber like in his training regimens and how he had two different training regimens throughout his career. One that revitalized his career towards the end. So we'll talk about that. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, but here, here's also like a little PSA. And I know we're 10 minutes in and we haven't even started talking about like, yeah, like I said, okay. for, yeah, we're 10 minutes in. We haven't even started talking about like actually Giants history and what the show's about. But 4th of July week, this is going to be a chill episode. I'm not really I'm not really stressing this week's episode to make it the best, if you know what I mean. Totally understand. 4th of July is the best holiday of the, of the year. Yes, yes. But I do just want to say that. If you're if you're coming from like the talking giants audience and side of things, and you didn't listen to this podcast before when it was just David and I, and when you know during the 2018 during the 2019 season when I was doing it, this is much. Uh, this is a. I mean, talking giants is very laid back within itself, but this is also more of a laid back, like relaxed. You know, we throw we throw some f bombs around, we throw some curse words around. You know, snacks and I we like to have a good time, and not that Bobby and I don't have a good time, but that's more of like the everyday news of the giants current, where this is things. like yep. yeah and it, and it's like oh god and it comes a point where you know all of that stuff is good when it's relevant but like now doing like the 2021 draft research i'm like just please bleh, i want to vomit um yeah. this is a nice outlet this is a nice outlet correct. for you correct it's a it's a nice it's a nice outlet for both of us because especially snacks Absolutely. you have to talk you i, I mean i i'm i want to talk fantasy football like right now but then I don't want to talk fantasy football in the month of February. You have to do that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> fun at all. Trust me. So I, I feel so. the same way you do. When it's February, it's like you know February, March, great month to be born. By the way, um, February, March, April. You re- well, April, I guess, with the rookies and stuff. But February, like just those dead points in fantasy football that you just don't want to talk about. And you know, like I have to do that. I have to do that every week, and you have to do it with yeah. current, up to date. Everything going on, state of the New York football giants as currently constituted. So as two diehard fans getting to go back and revisit the history of our beloved team is it's a beautiful thing. So why don't we get right into it? Get right into it. it 11 minutes in. (laughs) Yeah, get right, get right to it. Hey, but that's 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 the show. If if you're if you're a follower of the show, let's get right into it after we fuck around for the first 12 minutes of the show. So the first story that we're going to be talking about is the first story we're going to be talking about is about Jesse Armstead. And Ernie Palladino, we are currently in chapter six. I skipped chapter five, which is talking about quarterbacks. I just didn't really want to talk about Kent Graham and uh, Graham, Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. I didn't feel like talking about those guys. I just I just really didn't. So I moved on to chapter six and it's called Star Turns. So it's a lot of just random stories about giant superstars. That's that's the preface of the chapter. So let's talk about Jesse Armstead and his list. 
Jesse Armstead had a list. In his rise from special teams standout to the leader of Reeves and Jim Fossil's defense, the five-time Pro Bowler kept a list of every linebacker who was drafted before the Giants called his name in the eighth round of the 1993 draft. Whenever one of them retired, he crossed him off. That list, a self-inflicted insult of sorts, created a fire that constantly burned inside Armstead until his retirement after 2003. The draft had already shrunk from 12 rounds to eight, in 1993, a year later, and contracted again to seven. Had Armstead appeared in the 1994 talent pool, he would have gone undrafted, and that never would have sat well with the weak side linebacker who considered himself a hunter and a warrior. Every linebacker in the league deemed more worthy of an investment than the undersized but gritty University of Miami, Miami product with bum knees had their spot on the list. They were all there. Marvin Jones, Wayne Simmons, Chad Brown, Darren Smith, and future teammate Michael Barrow. And those were just from the first two rounds. A total of 32 linebackers went before the Giants took the 6-11. He was really... Gee, no. No way. I think this is a typo. No, he was not 6 This is a typo. That's impossible. Not No. Breaking news. We have found one of our first... Actually, no. Paladino's had some rough sentences that I've had to correct. Yeah, grammatically. We have have found our first, like, typo, like, typing typo. So it says here that he is 6'11". He is not. He is 6'1". We have found our first typo. So It's okay, Paladino. A total of 32 linebackers went before the Giants took the 6'1", 230-pound Armstead with the 207th pick of the draft. One by one, year by year, Armstead crossed them off. Some went early, straight out of the first training camp. Others lasted, but none played as long as Armstead, which which was saying something for a player who originally got lost in the draft shuffle because of knee construction as a Hurricane sophomore. And none possessed the, that, the mental toughness that allowed Armstead to play every game of every year despite several close calls involving a high ankle sprain in 98 and a combination of knee and calf injuries in his final season. Armstead's longevity had motivational fuel. I always played with the chip, he said. I always carried that. I never backed down from nobody, and I was never scared of a fight. That's my attitude, and I always carried that. We actually talked about previously how Jesse Armstead got involved in some some fights on the side, as my like the Michael Strahan and Scott Gregg fight. Mm-hmm. Armstead was shoving somebody on the side, so that was one yeah. Of those so that stories. that that chip on his shoulder was real. So yeah, yeah that, that that's what you want in a player playing with an edge like that. I don't I don't hate, I don't hate the fights. I, I love it. Sorry, but the fact that he legitimately because I'm I'm pro football reference right now, and you know you just mentioned it. He legitimately, from 1993 to 2003, his career with the Giants and the Redskins, did not miss one game. No. He didn't miss a game. That's unbelievable. Games played 16. Unbelievable. You don't see that. Oh, what an underrated Giant, man. If we're on pro football reference, and again, he was he was an outside linebacker in a 4-3 defense, which... From my experience of watching things as a Giants fan, what Kavika Mitchell was the best outside linebacker that the Giants had in a 4-3 system from, what, 2000? I feel like 2005. I'm thinking of when I started paying attention to the Giants from 2005. Basically, since Armstead left, the best outside linebacker that we had since then in our 4-3 system between Armstead was Kavika Mitchell. And he was here for one one year. year. One year. (laughs) Like, I mean, Michael Michael Boley was solid. Yeah, but still seeing how tough it is to gather stats. Like in 97, where he was an all-pro, by the way, with the Giants, 
132 tackles, 101 of them solo, three and a half sacks. Now, they didn't actually start calculating or tracking tackles for losses until 1999. And in 1999, where he had a season of nine sacks, Jesus, nine yeah. sacks as an outside linebacker in a three in a four three system, not a three four, where an outside linebacker is your edge rusher, mm-hmm. but 123 tackles, 21 tackles for loss. That's insane. Yeah, it, that's he insane. Was, 21 he, tackles for loss. Yep, I, I I'm looking at it right now. I, it's mind boggling. He was yeah. legitimately. I don't. I don't. I want to use my words carefully here, but in my lifetime, might be the most underappreciated giant. If that makes sense. I mean, he was, we were younger. Um, like, you know, he, his career with the Giants ended in 2001. So I, me personally only saw like two years of him. Um, and as a youngster, so I didn't fully understand it. But when you look back on his career and his longevity with the Giants, just a phenomenal player. He really was. And George Young drafted him, right? Um, 93. Yeah. That was before a Corsi. So it was a young, a Corsi Reese, uh, and then the great, Dave Gettleman, shout out, Will. <laughs> Great, Dave Gettleman. All right, so I'll, I'll finish off. Um, I'll finish off uh, this this uh, this little excerpt that Paladino has here. Jesse was one of the greatest linebackers in history. The franchise president and CEO John Maris said he was a team leader who always gave one hundred percent. We could always count on him to make a big play at a crucial moment of the game. After New York released Armstead following the 0-1 season, he signed on with Washington for two more seasons. Continue to streak for perfect game day attendance. He had little choice. He had to make sure his name was the last one on that list. Good for him. I don't want to call it cynical, but having that list and making sure that you're the one that lasts the longest and for that actually, well, first of all, for that even to actually come true is astonishing. Like to have all of those players, all, all of those players before you, all those linebackers that I read off, he outlasted every single one of them, and that was his goal. Insanity. I, I think it's pretty awesome, but that's just me. And if we're ending off on Jesse Armstead, yeah. we would be remiss to to tell you that in 2008, he was featured as one of the pros on Pros vs. Joes on Spike TV. So if you want to go check out that episode, go ahead. Little fun, little fun tidbit. He's got to be in the Ring of Honor, right? He is, yes. Okay. Good. He, um, good, good, good. I, and uh, yes, he's 100% in the Ring of Honor. And just... Quick, he's a. I think he's a car salesman, or him and maybe he owns like a dealership or something. Uh, he did an autograph signing there. I forget. I forget where it is. I'm sorry, Englewood, New Jersey. I think it is. And he is legitimately like a very, very nice man. Um, took pictures, talked to everybody. He was just a very nice person. So, uh, shout out Jesse Armstead, Giants Ring of Honor, underappreciated, underrated, great football player for our beloved Giants. Love you, Jesse. Rock and roll. And what a Rock great name, too. Jesse Armstead. You know? It's a good football a, it's name. Like, it's a great football name. That's power. That's that's I'm going to kick your fucking teeth in name. Ah, I love it. Sorry great for Great value. I asked about George Young because, I mean, what what incredible value to get a to get a franchise player like that, what, for eight, nine years that he played for the Giants yep. in the eighth yep. round. Yep. What great value. Well, I mean, Jeez. great great value from a great general manager. So yeah. why isn't George Young in the Hall of Fame, by the way? Isn't he? Did he? Did he get in? If he got in, it was just this year. He's in the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. No, oh, nice. On January 2020, Young was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay, so uh, he's, yeah, in, I, he's in the class yeah. this year. I, I, I see. What did I say? What did I just say? You probably didn't even get wow. that. I just told you if he if he was in, is way too long. Did the NFL force force Young on the Giants? Right? 
that's 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 what I was gonna say. That's like subtly like I don't really give the Maras full credit. No, absolutely for like not. Getting getting the GM because it was like the Philadelphia 76ers. Remember how they were losing all those years and they were tanking? So yes. then the NBA was just like, here, you need somebody competent that will try to fix your franchise. Right. So it was almost one of those things, except what, just like 30 years earlier. So that's why yeah. I don't fully give yeah. the Giants like total credit because Young no, was literally de- forced to it. Them. <laughs> yes, and well, thank God because that was like before he got there. That was like the darkest time in, in Giants in Giants history. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope one day that Adam Silver does that with the Knicks. Anyway, continue. Yeah. All right. So we're moving on to Thunder and Lightning. Thunder and Lightning. Oh, boy. Now you love the 2000 season snacks, so you, so you should really I love do. these two. Yeah, well, uh, you do? (laughs) No, I don't. I hate both of them. One more than the other. I used to have a thunder and lightning poster in my uh in my bedroom as a kid. Fun. And I had it up until two thousand six, and then I ripped it. apart. Yikes. Yeah. Did you burn it or did you just rip it? No, at that time I I wasn't really I wasn't really involved in the burning of of things, which I've burned numerous things since. Um. Bobby no, Skinner is a huge fan of burning things. See, huge. that's that's why me and Bobby, who have never like talked or met, get along because I think there are a lot. We are on the same same wavelength in a lot of things. I love burning shit. Love it. Like I burned, uh, I burned Plexico's jersey when he signed with wow. the Jets. Yeah, when he signed with the Jets, I was very, I was very upset. I I regret that one. Like to this day, I regret it. My friend bought a LeBron James Heat jersey when he signed with the Heat and didn't sign with the Knicks. I burned that. I bought I bought it from him for a hundred dollars. He spent like sixty on it from you know from China. I burnt that. Um, I, I can go on and on, but I'm not gonna. So I have two Beckham jerseys. Should I burn, burn one of them? Burn them. Burn them both. No, I want to keep one. Why would you keep them? What, like, what's the point? What in case he comes back one day? No, I think he's like history. No offense, you should time- burn your whole jersey collection. I've seen it. Yeah, I have Janoris Jenkins, I have Eli Apple, I have Landon Collins. Uh, Eric I'll, Flowers. No, I do not have Eric Flowers. I have a rookie Justin Pugh jersey. Mm. Um, <laughs> Gross. What are the random What are the random jerseys do I have? I, I bought a Snacks Harrison jersey, but I gave it away to a friend, and then I think he was traded that season. I I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I, uh, it's a bad I, spot. I own... Wait, I have an Andre Brown jersey. I have a David Wilson jersey. Oh God, Justin. God. David Wilson. I mean, you know, that's that's a shame. But I I have I think I have three giant jerseys. I have LT. I have Strahan. Oh, no, I I have a few actually. LT, Strahan, three Eli's, and oh and an Ikeliar jersey. I threw out my Beckham one. I should have burned that. Why didn't I? I just threw it out. What an asshole I am. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I get them all from China. Oh, I know, I know. So well, my Eli ones are uh are not from China. Those are those are real, and his old Miss jersey too. I owe my one friend uh, an authentic cow. He's a cowboy fan, so I, he he won. The deal was is if you win the if you win the bleeding blue fantasy league, you get an authentic jersey, and I think that's a pretty damn good deal because those authentic jerseys are really expensive. Mm-hmm. But I don't pay that price. But I'm waiting on getting i i waited all this off season i don't know why but then when i actually wanted to get it for him especially now that it's approaching his birthday i don't want to really order anything from trying to right now no no that's probably that spot not. to be in yeah that's about to be in. It, yeah. all right so a thunder and lightning thunder and lightning are we yes. ready yes ready to go sorry about that i keep going off the clip no it's okay it's okay people love talking about jerseys anytime i take a picture of my jersey collection it always gets hundreds of likes even though yeah. i post it 
I post it every few months. Fossil and his offensive staff knew they had something special when the Heisman Trophy winner Ron Dane arrived at the 2000 training camp. I'm going to preface this, by the way. Paladino really tries to do a good job of talking about how, oh, yeah, this this was good for this one year, and this was good for, you know, the the, the Ron Dane was like good for, was a good decision at the time. I, I don't know about that. So give cut Paladino a break. He's writing a book about the Giants. Uh, he's He's got to make everything sound a little positive, a little good here. I know there's strong feelings about Ron Dane. Along with the agile, fast Tiki Barber itching to get started full-time in the backfield, the coaches had the 255-pound 200, bruiser out of Wisconsin, an ideal change of pace back in the first round. They realized immediately that working the two as a backfield tandem would improve the sluggishness of 1999 when Joe Montgomery's rushing yards marked the lowest total ever for a Giants starting running back since the 16-game schedule came about in 1978. If the Super Bowl Giants did anything well offensively that year, it was run the ball, and the bulk of his yardage came from Barber and Dane, or Thunder and Lightning, as history came to know them. Barber was Lightning. Having lost 10 pounds from the year before, he put together his first of 6,000-yard seasons. He might have even produced more than 1,006 yards on 213 carries had the Thundering Dane not carry 228 times for 770 yards, which is abysmal. <laughs> it's an abysmal. <laughs> average it's terrible the total the total represented his second most productive season next to the 773 he recorded as a houston texan in 2007 his final year only a fool would have shied away from giving him an almost even split of the workload really fossil and his offensive assistants were no fools we had certain plays we thought tiki ran well we had certain plays where we thought ron would do real well Running backs coach Mike Gilhammer said, we just labeled the personnel groups. One was thunder, one was lightning. It kind of took off. It got Barber plenty excited. It's perfect because we're so different. Thunder and lightning, Barber said just before the season. Dane wasn't at all preoccupied over whether the order of the nickname would mirror the order of the battle. So long as I get to play. Fossil played it up. He had them introduced together as offensive starters, the September 3 opener against Arizona, blah, 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 blah. And the season goes on. They go on to win. They go on to attend the Super Bowl. Um, Ernie Paladino tries to justify it with Tiki Barber having some really good games and Ron Dane having only one, 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 100 rushing yard game that season. And I think he only had like two, was that, I think he only had two 100 yard rushing days as a giant and disgusting. they were both in separate seasons and they, you know, they just, Ernie Paladino justifies it. They made the Super Bowl that year, but then he kind of sucked after that. That's that story. Snacks, get, take it away. The whole Ron Dane story just blows my mind. I, I he was so good at what he was a Heisman winner. I, like he was so good, and in two thousand, like you're saying, like offensively running the football was was their bread and butter, their big strength. I get, I get the draft pick, and in two thousand, when you know running backs, I guess still mattered. Fine, but huh. why, like, why double down? I, it just to me, it doesn't really make sense in totality why they even drafted him in the first place. And the fact that he pretty much just was god-awful. Like you said, what did he have? 770 yards on 228 carries? Yeah, that's an average of 3.4 yards per carry. That's abysmal. That's um, that's embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. Like, I think I could do that. And I weigh 150 pounds. You fall forward. That's what you do. You basically fall forward. God, that is so, like I'm trying to wrap my mind around how bad that actually is. 
Oh, uh, oh it's nauseating. And Tiki, oh, I, oh, I don't want to. And talk here's about the Tiki. thing. But here's I don't the thing with talk Dane about though. Tiki. Here's the thing with Dane though. Like the coaching staff had a planned with. Oh, Tiki's going to be used this way. Ron Dane's going to be used this way. You want to know when Ron Dane was used? Probably, and I'm guessing. And based off of the limited, I made a good Ron Dane video back when I started to make my Giants history videos. Yeah. And when I saw Ron Dane being used was in short yardage situations, just because he's 255 plus pounds. I think 255 was probably being a little nice. <laughs> but you they think? would use him in short yards, like short yardage situations. But you watch his highlight tape at Wisconsin. Ron Dane was a big play stunt. running back. Yep. An absolute stunt. He was not a short yardage, uh, uh, you know, bruiser. He was not. He, d- he did it all. So I, I, it just, it doesn't, nothing about Ron Dane makes sense to me. Nothing. The fact that at, at 29 years, wh- 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 how old was he when he played with Houston? I, I don't know. And he. On 194 carries, he had 773 yards in his last year. What is he, Benjamin Button? How does any of this make sense? How does Ron Dane, the football player in the NFL, make sense? Just, I mean, it's just so only stupid. A- he's still he's still only averaged four yards a carry. I understand, but I mean, he did it on 30. He had more yards on 30 something less carries. He had an extra touchdown. Like it just it doesn't make sense to me. Ron Dane doesn't make sense to me. I don't even know if Ron Dane's a real person. I I th- yeah, I think of, that's I don't think he's a real person. Kind of is a unicorn, right? Oh, I hate that fucking word, Justin. Unicorn? Yeah, I hate it. Why? All right, this is a Giants podcast, but Kristaps Porzingis was called a unicorn for the Knicks, and I fucking oh, love the boy. Knicks. And yeah, so I, I just can we not use the word unicorn, please? It's just out of respect for me. Here's what Kristaps Porzingis and Ron Dane have in common. They were here, and then they were gone, and they were hyped up. And they were mythical creatures. Yeah. Neither one of them makes sense. Neither one of them makes sense. I'm, I'm, going, I'm digging back into the well here, and I'm digging back into this. Because actually, unre- it's kind of related. I was listening to a Sunday night football game where John Madden was calling a Giants game. And this was when, I believe, probably, I don't know, when Brandon Jacobs was in his first or second year. And they were talking, and John Madden was talking about how Brandon Jacobs is used. And early on, it was Tiki was the number one back, and Brandon Jacobs was the short yardage bruiser because of his size. But John Madden was the guy that brought up, and I kind of thought this was a good point, because I never really thought that Brandon Jacobs was a great short yardage back. Again, he would be a guy that he's big, and he would fall forward, and he was and he would drive his legs a little. No, he, I, I really feel like Jacobs wouldn't even really drive his legs that much unless he was in the open field. This is so, I'm shaking my arms. This is such a good point. You think at 6'4, 900 pounds that Jacobs would be that short yardage guy. Do you remember in the Super Bowl, fourth and one against the, the Patriots, the 18 0 in Super Bowl 42? Fourth and one from like we're in our own territory. He barely got one yard for that first down for the game to continue. Barely got it. People forget that. He legitimately barely got over that first down yard mark. Barely. So you're 100% so right. Really, that was a terrific point. And we've credit, talked credit about when we, when we were re-watching games in the past, we talked about, geez, when Brandon Jacobs was at his best, he was going like downhill. Like, you know, when he got going downhill on like those zone running plays and you would get him in the open field and he would be able to get the yards after contact either running through the line of scrimmage where guys would just try to put their, you know, arm tackles around him and he wouldn't, you know, slow down because of an arm tackle or when he's coming up against a safety 
and he tries to tackle him at the ankles or tackle him towards the hip, and he tries to be, you know, the, the safety is the guy that tries to be the lower man. Lower mm-hmm. man wins in football. But then he would just truck him, and he would get an extra five yards after that. So that's when Brandon Jacobs was at his best. He wasn't at his best on a third and one or a third and inches. He really no. wasn't. Nope. So I think you can make that same argument for Ron Dane. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, if Ron Dane was used correctly, that Ron Dane would have been a great running back. That no. is not what I'm sitting here and bang. saying. But – just because somebody is 250 pounds, um, cough, cough, that's exactly what they're going to do to that fucking guy, A.J. Dillon in Green Bay. That's exactly what they're going to do. Just because oh, somebody's yeah. a little bit bigger and just because somebody's like a bruiser, just because somebody's a bruiser and can't catch the football, that doesn't mean that they're a short yardage running back. Nope. 100%. <laughs> you, you have to have some semblance of skill, okay? And just yeah. like like you said, like, like it's almost like an Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy was not like a short yardage guy either. He was a big, fat no. bruiser. But I mean, come on. It's so nauseating. I just keep – I'm staring. I'm Justin, I'm legitimately just, just staring at Ron Dane. I know we're, I'm going back to Ron Dane. just staring at his stats. 228 carries for 770 yards. What do I say? What do I say? What, say what does anybody say? What 3.4 yards a carry, 3.8 yards a carry, 3.4 yards a carry, 3.4 yards a carry. In his four years with the Giants, he never averaged over four yards a carry. As this big bruiser, Heisman winner from Wisconsin. Are you fucking kidding me? He's not real. Mythical creature. Canceled Ron Dane. Don't ever speak about him again. You ever bring him up on this podcast again, I'm leaving. Never again. I know. I know Sean Payton wasn't. Oh, Sean Payton was the play caller yes, at that point. Yes, he was. Remember we talked about that last week. Yeah. How do you think Sean Payton felt about that draft pick? Embarrassed. Nauseated. I mean, it was 2000. Yeah. He probably felt great because, I mean, think what you saw Ron Dane do at Wisconsin getting that kind of running back to pair with an already an established running back in um in uh number 21. Barbara. Yeah, I'm not saying his name. In number he 21. He wasn't fully established though. No, he wasn't. He was I think what? Cuz 2000 was his first 1000-yard season. That was his breakout year. Yeah, and it wasn't even like breakout breakout, but Yeah, cuz it was only 1006 yards, but he I mean he had 4.7 Well, without Ron carry, Dane there, he probably goes for like 1500, so Right. 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 Jeez, he caught 70, 70 passes that year. Yeah, he was Good great. He was terrific, terrific receiving back. Good for him. That was his second best receiving year receptions wise. All right. So let's move on. Let's move let's, on. Now, this let's. next story, this next story is in a bit of an exaggeration on Paladino's part. So what I want you to do is I want you to go. It is on YouTube. I have found it before. I want you to go find this game. I'm going to describe this game. Go find this game. Go find the highlights. And you'll see how Paladino is kind of exaggerating here. Very short story. Caught with his pants down is the title. It can be argued that no giant of the last 20 years has taken his shirt off for the camera more than Jason Seahorn. Is this true, Snacks? Um, is that part true? I can't think off the top of my head, but, I mean, as the only uh, white cornerback in NFL history, why not? Yeah, he's geez, not yeah, he's not? not the he's not the only one i'm just i'm just busting chops okay i'm not apologizing oh, for that next that, week that's our, oh god i was i was hoping to get you uh-huh no handsome i'm kidding <laughs> handsome and chiseled he cut a fine figure on the pages of countless sports and men's fashion magazines there you go but he never dropped his trousers not even for gq thanks paladino thanks for putting that image in our heads it did, though, nearly happen against Detroit in 2000, as if a 31-21 loss at Giants Stadium that dropped the Giants to 7-4 wasn't embarrassing enough. Seahorn darn near lost his britches on, a Johnny, on Johnny Morton's 32-yard touchdown catch in the third quarter, quarter as C 
Horn chased Morton across the middle. He had to pull up just short of the goal line to yank up his pants. The pants are just so tight, he said. The Giants had a good chuckle over that one, but Seahorn ultimately had the last laugh. Shortly after his team's Super Bowl appearance, the cornerback married gorgeous Law & Order actress Angie Harmon, to whom he famously proposed while Harmon taped a spot on the, 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 the Tonight Show with Jay Leno in March of 2000. His tuxedo pants reportedly stayed in place throughout the entire wedding ceremony. I watched that highlight in Detroit. Yes, he did have to pull up his pants, but it was not a full, like, you know, we're seeing where Jason Seahorn mooned everybody on national television. So I'm glad Paladino put this as a short story because a bit of exaggeration. A little funny tidbit, though. I I, I got a kick out of it when you told me pre-show about it. So, yeah. um, you know, it is what it is. I Can you send me that clip, actually? Because I like I can't. I can't think of it at all. All right, I'll 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 make a, I'll make a video. I'll make a little video. Now you're all right. This next story is, is fun. This next story is fun, and it's going to have it's going to we're going to get into some good conversations about this. So, what is a bleeding blue episode without a Michael Strahan story? We we literally ah, cannot go one week without telling a, a Michael Strahan story. <laughs> got to be a staple. So, Michael Strahan went into the last minutes of a thirty-four to twenty-five game against the Green Bay Packers. Half a sack behind former New York Jets Mark Gassineau's single-season record, and time was running out. The Packers were clearly in run mode, looking to kill out the clock to a game the league transplanted from Week Two of 2001 to season's end after the ma- after the aftermath of 9/11. Little did Strahan know that he was about to get a little help from a friend to nab that record. Quarterback Brett Favre took the snack, snap and inexplicably began to drop back. A fake handoff. Three quick steps to the right where the defensive end had broken down, through, and then down. Favre hit the dirt at his good buddy Strahan's feet before the defender could even breathe on him, much less touch him. But Strahan did. He passed Gastineau's on the all-time list with 22 and a half sacks, a record which still stands. So does the debate. Did Favre take a dive for his pal? Did the quarterback in great set up a scenario for Strahan to set the record? Was Favre a flopper? Both players denied the accusation. Strahan, of course, had little to do with it, but Favre had everything to do with it, and his coach and his teammates were none too happy with him. The Packers' offensive line had pitched a shutout up to that point, keeping Favre's uniform perfectly clean, and the sack ruined an achievement offensive lineman relish. Making matters worse, players in the huddle said Favre originally had called for a run and never checked out of it. Favre gave the ball to Strahan as he walked off the field, Fueling further speculation that the record was set up, Strahan always denying it, saying, "What am I supposed to do? Get up and say, Brett, why didn't you? Th- why didn't you throw it?" <laughs> so, snacks was it staged? No, absolutely not. Look at the play. Well, it probably was. Look at the play, though. <laughs> <laughs> Strahan was going to get him. He was literally in the backfield for two seconds. The whole part about it being a run and not checking out of it. Uh, okay, I mean, who? It's your word against theirs. Like back and forth. But Strahan was in the backfield about to sack Favre. Like, he just went down. What was he going to do? Just throw it in the ground? I mean, as a competitor, yeah, I guess you could do that and take the take the intentional grounding. But I don't know. I, I, I look, I'm I looking at the play right now. Pull it up. Look at the play. Look at the play right now. Oh, I looked at it. Yeah, we'll do it live right now. He flopped. I'm looking at it right now. Where is he going to go? Where, Justin, where is he going to go? He was gonna hand the ball off. Yeah, he. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, <laughs> I guess that. I guess that story has some validation to it. We we need to see how. Uh, I wasn't. Oh, hold on, hold on. 
Are you watching? Oh, yeah. the, are you the, watching the offensive? Like an, the offensive linemen are, are absolutely going for a run block. That is not. A that's pass what block. I'm saying. <laughs> that is not. That's a pass what I'm block. saying. Because okay. if you're watching like the NFL films, that's view what I'm watching. And the yep. angle where yep. you're not watching the offensive linemen, but if you watch like the the, the game broadcast. You you will be able to see are the offensive line like actively moving down the field, Literally. or are they in pass sets? Yeah, they should have been called for uh, illegal men down the field. Um, but anyway, but it was a sack. He didn't throw the ball. It was a joke. It was a joke. Relax. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I've watched this fourteen times in a row, and I just keep going back. That was a hundred percent staged. Damn it! Damn it! I've always said. I've always said. Nah, you know what? No, no, not stage. Michael Strahan deserves that sack record. He deserved it. Right, good. How does he I'm not? Glad. How does he not? You know what? Good for. How does he not get one sack before that though? I mean, come on. Like that, they they were like seven and eight at that point, weren't they? Or six and eight? Seven. They, they, they were, were out seven of and eight. Seven and eight. Seven and they eight. Lost that. They lost God, that I'm game. Good. I know. I was there. I remember. It's the only reason we went. My dad took me to the game because because uh, of Michael Strahan getting that sack record. Sure enough. Stadium go bonkers. It went nuts. Nuts. I was like, what was I? Nine years old. Yeah. I think that was the only time in a stadium where I put my hands over my ears. It was so loud. Really? Oh, yeah. No, it was very, very loud. Great time. So what that moment reminded me of is it reminded me of that moment in Rocky 1 where, you know, Apollo Creed's, you know, absolutely just fucking with uh, Rocky Balboa before the fight. And then Joe Frazier walks into the ring and... You know, Apollo Creed and Joe Frazier, you know, they're they're punching each other and whatnot. And then Rocky Balboa, he basically says this. Must be friends. They must be friends. And that's one <laughs> of my favorite lines. It's one of my favorite lines in Rocky. They must be friends. Because the little the little com- comedic humor that happens before before the fight. Um, I forget some I forget some snacks. Help me out here with some little Mickey, Mickey and Rocky lines, maybe before that fight. But that's ex- while I was reading Paladino for the first time. Like Favre handing the ball to Strahan, that's the thing that I was thinking of. That they they just uh, it's an absolutely phenomenal metaphor. How you even thought of that blows my mind because you're the least creative person I've ever heard in my life. I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Relax. But that when you told me that pre-show, I was like, this is perfect, legitimately perfect. I mean, like, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't at the time. Obviously, at the time, nine nine years old, I didn't even know what you know what like vitamins were or anything. But I didn't realize the the good friendship that Favre and Strahan had. So that throws another wrinkle into the into the whole caveat. So that little tidbit from from Rocky that that soundbite is is to me. Perfect. I'm the best. <laughs> you set yourself. I put that on a T for you. Mm-hmm. Say thank you. Say thank you. Thank you, Snacks. Do you do Viagra too? I try. I try. To, I try to elevate my co-host. Did you hear your drop? Do you do Viagra too? That's gonna haunt me forever. forever. Yeah, it's 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 these two. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my motherfucking uncle. Okay. We'll get to talking about like the helmet catch one day, yeah, and yeah, you, the what ifs, have, and then that'll be perfectly relevant again. A hundred percent. But I have a question. You you've met. We have hung out at Giant Games. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings before COVID happened, which was a very nice night, by the way. Do I have? Like, I listen to myself with that if my aunt had my boss thing. Do I have, like, an accent like that? Is that really how I talk, like, normally? I when you, when you get going, and I think this is with all of us in a way, when we get going, you know, the, the New York and the New Jersey just, 
Yeah, see, that, out of us, and there's nothing see, wrong with that. No, see, I've worked for two organizations that are based in Memphis and Atlanta, and I've had to travel to both of them. And when I'm there, all I ever got was that New York accent is thick, and it makes me so angry because I'm not from New York. I'm from North Jersey. It's a Jersey accent. It's not New York. Like, if you listen to my father, if you ever meet my father, you will hear a New York accent. This is this is Jersey. I don't want to be insulted. Well, people don't know Jersey, though. No, I know, because it's a, and it's a shame. It's the greatest state of them all, so it doesn't make any sense to me. All right, let's go. Come on. I, I, want, I, want, I want this last. I know what story is coming. I want it bad. I want it. Do I we, want it. I do want we want to save it? No, do no. We want I want it now. It? I want it now. I want it now. Oh, I am so, I'm so fired up. I want it now. But you know what? This has been, to me, this has been a great episode, and I know people are going to enjoy it. End, end it right. End it right. No, we're doing do good it, on Justin. time. We're doing good on time. All right, let's then do, do it. it. Then do it. So Walter Payton had his hill. This is, oh, this is my own line. This isn't even Paladino. Walter Payton had his hill. Tiki Barber also had his hill. Tiki's hill. By the time Barber ended his 10-year career in 2006, he held the team's rushing record in five categories, including single-season rushes, yards, and career rushing yards, as well as ranking among the top five in several other areas. He didn't get there by accident. Barber was a conditioning freak who actually evolved physically over the years. As a younger player, he concentrated on pure speed. As he entered the middle of his career, speed and endurance became paramount. In his final season, strength became the focus as he looked to ward off injuries. The Hill became his most famous workout and admired workout regimen because of its torturous nature. Working with fullback Greg Camella. Do you have good things to say about Greg Camella? Nothing but amazing things to say about Greg Camilla. My mom's name was Carmella, so I always loved Greg Camilla. Always. All right, say, go on, go on a 15-second rant about Greg Camilla. Just a great man. He had eyes that looked like he never slept. Uh, literally bags that, that sunk down to his cheeks. He was a very good fullback, very solid. He caught a touchdown pass in the uh, 2000 NFC Championship game against the Vikings, 41-0. Greg Camilla, great name, great mother, great everything. Well, not him, my mother. Yeah, great mother. Yeah, Greg Camilla is a great mother. Really funny. You know, I think it's funny. You know The Sopranos? I know you haven't watched it, but uh, you know The Sopranos, mm, right? I, I, I know of The Sopranos, yes. Okay. Do you know you, you Tony Soprano, right? Yes. Carmelo Soprano? Yes. You know you know what my dad's name is? What's your dad's name? Tony. Well, Anthony, wow. but Tony. Yeah, he's, he goes by Tony. You know what my mother's name was? What? I, I, I just told you. It was Carmela. Carmela. Do you know what their son's name was? Anthony. Anthony. You know you know what my brother's name is? Anthony. Anthony. How awesome is that? And then I'm Meadow, so the the other Soprano sibling. Go ahead. And this was anyway. all before this was before the show happened. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Jesus. I I think you should sue. Probably. I know. My my I know my mom and dad did like a, a Sopranos like like fundraiser thing at like the the local Knights of Columbus. It was it was a big thing cuz they they're Tony and Carmela. It's hysterical. I got to ask him more details about that, but funny little tidbit that about my life I wanted to share. You ever see that SNL segment where um, Leslie Jones brings in her, you know, her fake family members where they're suing a pharmaceutical company for taking, for using the names of medicines based off of their family's names? Have you ever seen that SNL segment? I don't think so. I, I've right, been I'll so out to, of touch with SNL for years. I'll try to, I'll try to put some sound bites in, but it's the, it's, it's like the funniest thing ever. So I'll put some sound bites in. I'll do that. Okay. We have a whole team that names our products according to years of research. This is clearly a coincidence. Oh, really? Well, let's look at some other examples, shall we? Celexa. That's my cousin. <laughs> For my 
other cousin. Eloquist. She lives down the way. Over there. Cymbalta. She's trouble, but she's fun. <laughs> Allegra. Now, she does my hair, and she don't have a shop, so I go to her house, where she has a little baby named Lil Nicorette. All right, so uh, T. Barbers Hill, uh, Greg Camilla. It's all because you went over the 15 seconds for Greg Camilla. So yeah, Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. So the two attacked a steep hill that sat among a clump of trees in New Jersey's Ramapo Valley County Reservation, winding for two and a half miles at what seemed like a 90-degree grade. The trail proved a tough hike for even a well-conditioned human. Barber and Camilla ran it every day at 7 p.m. The first time I ran it, it was hell, Barber said. It kicked my ass. I almost passed out. But I can honestly say this hill has made me a better player. The hill has no weaknesses, and if you consistently beat it, then in your mind, you have no weaknesses. So blah, 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 blah. They go on to do great things. Um, uh, Paladino goes up to describe how there's a, uh, it's a difficult Rocky Mountain, 1,060, 1,600, well, 1,063 feet. It involves steep climbs, blah, 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 blah. But then the second half of Barber's career, which I find this to be a lot more fascinating, where Barber didn't know it yet, but he had yet to reach his own football summit. The improvement in 2000 only marked the first of six thousand yard rushing seasons, which were very which were capped by a single season record of one thousand eight hundred and sixty in two thousand five, when he also set the franchise mark of three hundred and fifty seven carries. By then, his training had evolved into pure strength workouts with former powerlifting champion Joe Carini. So it went from the speed and the conditioning into running the hill to the powerlifting and the power training. So that's interesting. And it go and he goes on to describe all of the different ways that he would go on to do his power training. That's interesting because I have a very negative stigma of like positional players doing powerlifting training because I think I'm I, I'm not. I'm not a trainer. I'm not. I'm not an exercise scientist. There was a point in my life where I wanted to study exercise science, but I have this negative stigma, and I think it comes from Uena Cespedes. I'm a Yankees fan, but all of the weight training that I see some of these athletes do, Uena Cespedes is a guy that includes is included in this. You do a lot of weight training. I feel like you're more like heavyweight training with heavy weights. Um, you're more susceptible to muscle tears and injuries and stuff like that compared to. If you did a lot of free weight stuff and if you just worked on your core or maybe you just did the speed and endurance stuff, but hey, it worked for Tiki and it actually, um, you know, the strength stuff made him more durable as his career went on, which I didn't think that's how it would work. I don't know. I don't care. How about that? Yeah, I know. I know you don't care. Do, do you want to just get to what you want to talk about? Can I just can I just go off on Tiki Barber? Is that what you're getting at? Can I just do it? Yeah, I'll play this soundbite in advance. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I just want you to stay. Go on. I can promise you right now I will not apologize for anything I say about Tiki Barber next week. I will not say a single apologetic word about that scumbag quitting asshole. I promise you. So, Justin, you know. Big Giants fan. I am. I'm, you know, slightly, slightly a Giants fan. So when I was a kid, like I've told you numerous times, 2000 was the year that I really became sadistic. And Tiki was, when I tell you, I, I told you I'm, I'm a Catholic. I, I believe in God. I go to, you know, all these things. I pray and do do all this stuff. Um, I know, not a sailor's mouth and a Catholic like that doesn't go two and two. But anyway, um, Tiki Barber was my Lord and Savior. He was the reason why I truly fell in love with the team. 
Um, I, my, my good friend's mother used to be a jeweler and she made me this, this bracelet and the bracelet, it was a gold bracelet and it was like one of those, you know, it had like a strip on it and engraved and the back was, was Tiki. That's how much I, everybody knew how much I loved Tiki Barber. Um, and actually the first time I met Tiki Barber was at the Strahan, the Strahan Favre sack game, the record breaking sack. That was when they were at the old giant stadium and they had the practice bubble where they practiced. And my, um, you know, my dad took me and we had, we had tickets to the bubble to go after, get autographs and whatnot, but we didn't have the, the premium tickets. So we were getting autographs by like third stringers and whatnot. And Tiki was over there and he's wearing that, the Bruce Arians hat. I, I don't, I don't remember what, what kind of hat you call him, but he was wearing the Bruce Arians hat really, uh, you know, you, you couldn't even know who it was. And, and my dad goes, that's Tiki over there. And there was caution tape and whatnot. And I snuck under it and I got his autograph and he gave me a big pat on the head and I, I cried, I cried like crazy. A nine-year-old, that was, that was like my hero. By the way, that jersey has been since thrown out. What he did to me and what he did to Giant fans is the most disgusting act of 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 negligence I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know if I use the word negligence right in this context. But retiring, announcing your retirement mid-year, and then calling out your quarterback and the coach the year after, and then winning the Super Bowl without your dumb fucking ass is the greatest the greatest feat in my professional fandom history. My, l- listen, everything Giants do, I do. I take credit for everything they do. And what we did after he retired and what he said is the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. Now, now you're asking, listen, I have yet to, I have not really cursed yet. Okay, so the Jacksonville Jaguars versus New York Giants. Uh, what was it, two years ago now? Home opener, right? Yes, 2018. S- yes, Saquon's first game. Uh that's that's how I remember because they had that big big run and the Jaguars were coming off a uh, a uh, an AFC Championship appearance, which actually they should have won. But anyway, um, I had pretty good seats. My girlfriend had bought me seats at the time for the home opener. Very nice of her. And I usually don't sit in good seats. I usually sit in the last row of the stadium. That's where I feel more comfortable. But we're sitting there, and they had old Giants. They had old Giants there, and you know, Strahan, Tumor you know, shown on the, on the board. And then Tiki's face gets shown on the, on the jumbotrons. And I stood on my chair, all five foot, 850 pounds of me stood on the chair and I booed my guts out. I was seeing blood. I, I think I was, I honestly, I think I had a bloody nose after this. I was just screaming, 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 hatred words towards Tiki. So it's over. I sit down and there's two seats next to me that are, that are vacant. Nobody's there. And then the other two people at the end of the row was was a nice looking woman, very pretty, pretty woman, and, and an older man. And the woman goes to me. She goes, "Why did you do that?" I was like, "Why did I do what?" She's like, "Why did you just Why did you just assault Tiki Barber like that?" I said, "Assault." I was just expressing my emotions. I hate that that son of a bitch, that quitting <laughs> motherfucker. I hate him. And I said these words, word for word. And my girlfriend's like, she's looking at. Me, she goes, I, "I'm sorry. He just he gets a little out of control." And the, the nice looking woman goes, no, I think that's unacceptable. I said, who the fuck are you? <laughs> word for word. I said, who, who the fuck are you <laughs> looking at her? And she goes, she goes, you really should think twice before you speak. I was like, what are you talking about? And then the old man comes up. He stands up and he goes, he goes, you little fuck you. You better watch your mouth and learn your place. I was like, who? And I stood up. I was like, who the fuck are you guys? I'm, I'm like genuinely curious. Why are you coming after me? I'm booing and the rest of the crowd is booing. I maybe took it to a different level. But I'm like, who are you guys telling me that I'm not allowed to express my emotions and my hatred towards a guy that I can't stand and would spit on him if I saw him in person? They go, 
She looks at me and she goes, she goes, that's my husband. And the guy goes, that's my son-in-law and he's a great man. And I was like, I looked at him. I looked at him both. I said, yeah, okay. So I, I looked next to my girlfriend. I said, please Google Tiki Barber's wife. She Googles Tiki Bar. <laughs> she Googles Tiki Barber's wife, and sure enough, spitting image. It is exactly her. I'm sitting next to Tiki Barber's wife and his father-in-law. Long story short, uh, we got into it after that. I said, "Listen, I don't care who you are. What Tiki Barber did to me and to these fans and to this franchise is as disgusting as an act as anything I've ever seen in my life." And I lived through 9/11. That's what I said. I'm not proud of it. Maybe I can, maybe maybe I can maybe I can apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I'll apologize for that last part, but uh, that's what I said. And security came over, and they're talking to them. They're like royalty, I guess, because you know, whatever. Uh, me and my girlfriend got moved. Thankfully, we went up to three hundreds, and I continued my tirade. It's where you belong. It's where you I belong. belong I with, the, with the griminess of yes, and I'm, and I'm and I'm right there with you. I know you, you are. Be, I know you, you belong are. up there with us. I, that's right. That's who I am. I like. I appreciated my girlfriend at the time for getting me like really nice tickets in the end zone, like very nice tickets. But I knew it was going to be a problem. I knew it. You just don't last in games like that when you're a fan like us. You just don't do it. So security came up to me. He, they, they're like, and luckily they didn't realize my track record. They didn't know. They didn't look me up or anything and ask for my name. Um, thank or God. I or I thank God is right. Or else because this is before you've kickoff. Had, you've had previous this is before run-ins. kickoff. Oh, big time. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm. I'm literally not allowed. This in is the before stadium. kickoff. This is before kickoff. Yeah, they did it. Did the opening game, the opening thing, and everything. They 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 Jeez, showed a you, great, you didn't, great Giants. You didn't even last. You didn't even last uh, until after Hell's Bells was played, did you? No, you didn't even I didn't. Last I didn't even, Hell's Bells was not played yet. No, and that's my favorite part of of the Giants game because that gives me yeah. like a semblance of hope. They win the game, and then you know they go on to usually lose. But anyway, so yeah, this was all before kickoff, and the security guard comes up to me, doesn't ask my name. They go, uh, "We we got a very big complaint," and um. You know, blah blah blah. We're, we're gonna ask to move your seats. I was like, wait, wait, just move my seats. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, you're not throwing me out. And I was so elated. They start. We we start going up the escalator, and I'm like, we're going to the 300s, baby. So I was I was just so happy, and I um I went off on Tiki Barber's wife, father-in-law, and again, really really long story short, I fucking hate Tiki Barber more than I hate anything in the world, and. I think I hate Tiki more than I hate the Dallas Cowboys. That is how personal this is. We even got um, last thing. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna. I, I told you. I just go off and off and off and off and off and off and off. No, this is good. Got, this is gold. We, we got into a huge Twitter spat. Huge Twitter spat. Back in the day, this is before I, I joined uh, like podcasting or anything like that. Um, I tweeted at him just like randomly. I was Who, I, Tiki. Yes, Tiki. I was drunk. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I tweeted at him. I said. Hey, scumbag quitter. How does it feel that we won the Super Bowl without your dumb fucking ass after you told after you retired mid-year and quit in your prime? How does it feel? How does it feel? And then in all caps, how does it feel? Um, Good tweet. I got Good yeah, question. Great tweet. Right? Thank you. I, uh, I got a tweet reply at like six in the morning. I guess that's when he wakes up, did his radio show or whatnot. And he goes. He's going to go uh, run that hill. That's what he's doing. He goes run. Yeah. He, he runs that hill. Shut up. up. Justin, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Don't give him any credit. Anyway, he tweets back at me. He goes, goes, uh, don't appreciate the hostility and aggressiveness. Happy for those guys. I think you should go about living. He said something like living life, like happy and, and feeling accomplished. He used the word accomplished. Like when you have no accomplishments in life or something. So I hit him. I hit How him. How dare can- Tiki Barber tell you to live a happy life. You live a he- miserable existence. 
absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, I didn't even care about that. What I was more pissed about was the fact that he said I haven't accomplished anything in life and I hit him with the cancer card. Okay. So we can oh, tell the we'll tell boom, we'll tell the story when boom. we Yep. Uh-huh. And I sent him a picture of my bald head, no eyebrows, nothing with David Tyree. I said, no accomplishment. What no an accomplish- asshole. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll you know what? I'll go back and I'll find the tweet so we can put it up on the bleeding blue Twitter account. I went back. I said, no accomplishments, huh, Tiki? Well, I'm a six-year cancer survivor, and this is me taking a picture with one of the greatest giants ever. I, I said greatest giants ever. Someone who really accomplished something on the football field. David Tyree, a Giants hero, unlike your bum ass. So he tweets back, wow, really happy for you, man. Just wish you wouldn't come at me with such hostility. Some, something along those lines. And then I tweeted back. You know, I tweeted, this is how I got blocked. I said, fuck you. Now he said, nice. <laughs> yeah, just a, a nice back and forth. I said, fuck you. I ended it and he blocked me. Never again. Fuck him. I hate that fucking guy. Excuse me. I just use a lot of F words. I'm very sorry to the audience. I love when people drunk tweet me. <laughs> that has happened before. Yeah, it well, doesn't happen I, often. No, I don't think I've ever drunk tweeted you, but I've drunk texted you so many times. Yeah. So many times. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely sense your, your drunk wine texts when they come in. Yeah, I love the random. It, the, the random. We're gonna get Trevor Lawrence next year. The Giants are gonna win two games, or we're gonna make the playoffs. It's either. It's either. Or it, there's. There's no middle ground. So there's no. There's no two thirty a.m. texts that are like the Giants are gonna win seven games this year. No. Should we end it there? I think that was a very strong ending, and I apologize. Yeah, that, that, that was, was great. That was that was a ten minute rant. I just can we can we can we make a vow to never talk about Tiki Barber again unless you just. I want think. It. Oh gosh. I think that needs to be a story that's told once a year. Yeah, uh, I you're you're not wrong. That is that is a very big. When I said the nine eleven, oh my god, I can't believe I said that out loud. That's like my girlfriend hit me, not in the face, like she legitimately hit me. How are you kidding me? Um, it, it, it was not a, it was snacks. Not a good it's look. it's your feelings and it's your emotions. Yeah, yeah. Are they are they are they wrong? Yes, they're wrong, but they're your feelings and your emotions. Right, and I'm. I I have to apologize for the nine eleven comment, but I don't apologize for anything else. Nothing. Okay. I would spit. I would spit on Tiki Barber. I'd bury him alive, and then piss on him. Wow. Yeah. Mm, nice. End it there. So so that uh so that Snacks's rant was the concluding soundbite that we're gonna play for this for this episode. There there is there is nothing else. I'm sorry we didn't talk about Harry Carson. I think. Who who else who else did I promise that we would talk about? We talked about Strahan. We talked about Tiki Rondane. We talked about Jesse Armstead. We talked about Tiki two stories that I promised. So the only thing we didn't get to was Harry Carson. So Harry Carson, that'll be the first story that we talk about next episode. So uh Snacks, any kind of any kind of final words? Yes, Anthony, we love you always. I told you I will do it every single last episode. And I probably apologize. You'll probably hate me for going off on using all those F bombs on Tiki. But I'm sorry. No. I love you. I don't care. No, you love doesn't matter. Good. I'm glad. Love you, Anthony. Justin, I love you. I love everybody that listens. And uh, see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a happy and safe yes. 4th of July. Do not pull a um, JPP, please. No, no, no. We don't want that. It was actually recently Anthony's birthday. So happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday see, to Anthony. I'm glad you brought that happy up. Happy Father's Day to Anthony. To Anthony. Happy yep. Father's Day to all of you. If I, didn't, if I didn't wish happy Father's Day last week, happy Father's Day and happy 4th of July. Peace. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Keep on bleeding blue.